chapter 5. <clears throat> a while back, it's been several months ago, but we, we uh, covered the first part of chapter 5 in our study of Elijah and Elisha. And <clears throat> we were introduced to a man named uh, Naaman. Uh, <clears throat> look at verse 1 of chapter 5. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man uh, with uh, his master, Second Kings. I'm sorry, did I say First Kings? Please forgive me. Second Kings. All right, I'll give you. I'll give you a minute to get there. Second Kings. Sorry about that. I did the same thing the other day. I, you know, I've said this a million times. I, I love dyslexia. It, it is just. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, never a dull moment, never a dull moment. But I did the same thing the other day when I was studying. I'm like, I'm re- and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> anyway, maybe that's why I did first. King. Okay, Second Kings chapter five. Let's read verse one. And Naaman, excuse me, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because uh, <clears throat> by him the Lord had uh, given deliverance unto Syria, and he. Also, a mighty man uh, in valor, but he was a leper. <clears throat> so, what is so unusual about the characteristics that God, how God described this man? What, what is unusual about it? Well, he's a leper, but I mean, well, but. Okay, the, the the thing that's unusual about it is, <clears throat> where is he from? Syria. Syria. Well, who who are the who, the, enemy. The, the enemy? Okay, <laughs> so God looks at this man Naaman and he gives us some characteristics about him. Uh, tell us that he <clears throat> is uh, uh, a captain of the host. Uh, for the king of Syria. So that means he is the chief of staff uh, of the, uh, for, for, the, for the president. I mean, he is the top soldier in Syria. And God, God calls him a great man and a man of honor and, and a, a, a mighty man of valor. And he does all this with the, with the curse, if you would, of leprosy. <clears throat> now, just in case you're not familiar with the story or you don't remember it from the months back, <clears throat> uh, Naaman had a—he had captured a servant girl, a, a Israelite girl, and made her a, a slave in his house. And in in the process, and I'm I'm going to give you the Rick Lynn version of of of, of Naaman's life very quickly. Uh, <clears throat> uh, she happens to mention to someone that, hey, there's a prophet in Israel that could heal him. So word gets through the chain of command up to Naaman and says, hey, there's a prophet in Israel who can, who can heal you. So <clears throat> Naaman writes a letter to the king of Israel. Uh, I, I'm assuming, we don't know the content of the letter, uh, but we're assuming that he's asking permission to come visit this prophet so that this prophet could heal him. 
<clears throat> look at verses 6 and 7 of chapter 5. And, uh, and he brought the letter uh, to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto, unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, uh, my servant, uh, to thee. I guess it's the king of Syria that writes the letter. Anyway, um, uh, that thou mayest recover him from his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, uh, am I God uh, to kill and to make alive that this man does send me, uh, send unto me to recover uh, a, a man of, of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray thee, I see uh, and see how he uh, seeketh to quarrel against me. So the king of Israel receives this letter from the king of Syria. And he's basically saying, hey, look, let's call a truce here. I'm sending my general uh, to, to your prophet for healing. Well, the first thing that happens is the king of Israel reads it and he panics. And he says, I can't, I can't be responsible. You know, what if this, you know, what if this general isn't healed? Then you're going to take it out on me. And, and he panics, he rents his clothes, and, and, and then he, anyway, the whole idea here is he thinks it's a, it's a, it's a trick. So <clears throat> Elijah hears about the fact that the king rent his clothes and he's upset. So Elijah hears about it and he, and he sends word to, Elijah, uh, to the king and he says, you know what, let, let Naaman come. It, it's okay, just, just let him come. So <clears throat> Elijah... Uh, uh, the the, the uh, Naaman, Naaman comes to Elijah, and Elijah doesn't even go out to meet the king. He sends he sends a, a messenger, and and, <laughs> and uh, that is a huge insult. Okay, but but who 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 is who is Naaman? He's the enemy of God. Okay, he's the general. Of, of, of the enemies of God. So it's not surprising that that Elisha kind of treats him that way. But anyway, he sends out a messenger and, and he tells the messenger, okay, go out and tell him, tell him this. Look at verse 10. <clears throat> and Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou uh, shalt be clean. And Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out uh, to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hands over the place and recover <coughs> uh, uh, the leper. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and not, uh, uh, are not. Uh, and he names two rivers in Damascus better than all the waters in Israel. May I not wash in them and, and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. So basically what happens is uh, Elisha insults him by not coming out and putting on a show. And then he tells him to go to the Jordan. It was the Jordan, right? Yeah, yeah okay. Um he tells him to go to the Jordan River and wash. Well, does anybody know what the Jordan River looks like? It's filthy. <laughs> it is like washing in 
the New York Harbor. Okay, just saying. Okay, you come out dirtier than you go in. And and uh, so he he's not happy about it. In fact, he's he is anything but pleased. And uh, the fact that he was treated with disrespect and that he was told to do something that logically made no sense. Well, his servants get get a hold of him and they're like, hey, look, uh, you, you know, you've come all this way. Well, why don't you just try it? I mean, what do you, what do you got to lose, basically? Verse 16. Oh, oh, wait, before we read verse 16, uh, let me finish. Okay, he goes, he goes to the Jordan, he washes, he's cleansed, and he gets excited because now he's, he's cleansed from the leprosy, and he, gets, he wants to go back to the man of God, i.e. Elijah, and he wants to pay him for his services. Okay, so... Verse 16 is a key verse in in the rest of the message. And he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he, what? Refused. Now, there's a couple of reasons, possible reasons, why uh, he refused it, but it really doesn't matter why he refused it. The, 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 the point is he refused payment for his services. <clears throat> we are about to be introduced to the third person in our story, a guy named Gehazi. Now, we've talked about Gehazi in the past. Uh, Gehazi... Uh, does anybody know who Gehazi was? Okay, he was Elisha's servant. Okay, but it's important to understand that he wasn't a servant in the context of, of servanthood that we that we think. He was more. He was. He was. Um, yeah, it was more of an understudy or, or, or an executive assistant kind of a position because Elisha was the servant of who? Elijah. So it, it carries the idea that he, was, he wasn't a, a servant more than he was a man of God in training. Does that make sense? So he was... He was probably being groomed to take over for Elisha. Does that make sense? So, so it's important we kind of kind of get a hold of that because uh, it, 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 you have to understand the context of the rest of the, of the story, if you would. Now, we're going to stop and we're going to have an English lesson here. And I am the worst person in the world to be giving out English lessons. Okay? But I'm going to try and help you. <clears throat> in the English language, well, and, and, and I think every language, we have what we call connecting words. Okay? And, and <clears throat> these connecting words have different purposes. Um, they can connect uh, a, a sequential order in, in, uh, uh, in a sentence. You know, uh, so and so and so and so and and it and, and it connects a, a sequence. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. 
it, it can uh, it can it could be a word that gives importance over another word. Uh, it can be a, a a a word of contrast, a word of result, a word of comparison, a word of similarity. So there's there's many purposes for connecting words. To give you an example of a few, uh, next would be a connecting word. Uh, wherefore, therefore are, are connecting words. When you see wherefore and therefore in Scripture and you don't understand what follows it, you need to what? You need to back up because it's a connecting word. It's connecting, it's connecting thoughts. It's saying because of this thought, therefore this will be the result. You follow me? Okay, so connecting words are really, really important, especially in Scripture. The word that we're going to be looking at, the connecting word that we're going to be looking at, is a word of contrast. It's the word but. Look at verse 20. But Gehazi. So, understanding it's a word of contrast, <clears throat> what do you think is going to happen in the story? You're going to change gears or directions, right? Okay, you're going this way. Naaman comes. He is healed. He does what, he want, what he's supposed to do. He's healed. He comes to the back to the man of God, tries to pay him, and the man of God says, no, we, we will not take your money. Any, no circumstance in the world is going to make it so that we're going to have anything to do with your money. But Gehazi. So what's going to happen? Gehazi is about to do something really stupid. <clears throat> But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said, Behold, my master <clears throat> hath spared Naaman, this, the Syrian, in not receiving at his hand that which he, which he brought. But, as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for, for the work you do in our lives. And, and Lord, as we look at this, this man Gehazi tonight, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us to know that you are a God in heaven and that you, you are the holy God of heaven. Help us, dear God. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Verse uh, the, the the title of my message is the the lies of Gehazi, the lies of Gehazi. You may be thinking, how does a a man of God in training turn out to be a man of lies? Well, I'm here to tell you that that is a process that takes time. I have many pastor friends who are no longer in the ministry because they, quote-unquote, fell into sin. 
Now let, let me ask you a very important and very logical question. Does anybody fall into sin? No. We walk into sin. Okay? We, we walk into sin with our eyes open. It is, it is, it is a process that takes place in our lives and oftentimes we don't even realize it until we've done something stupid. I can take you out to Lovelock and introduce you to hundreds of men who made a bad choice, but they will each tell you that leading up to that choice was a series of other bad choices. And if they could go back and change things, they absolutely would. Gehazi, we see, look back in chapter 4, if you would, in verse 47, or excuse me, verse 27, chapter 4, verse 27. And when she, now who is the she here? Does anybody remember the she? Okay, the Shunammite woman, the, the, the woman who built the house on the side, built the room on the side of her house for the man of God. So uh, when she came to the man of God on the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near and thrust her away. And the man of God said, uh, let her alone, for, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me and hath, hid it and, and hath uh, not told me. So what, what happened here? We, we see uh, Gehazi uh, in chapter 4 with a lack of compassion for a woman who is, is very obviously upset about something. So we see this lack of compassion in his life. And then later in verse 31, we see uh, a lack of power in his life. In verse uh, 31, it says, And Gehazi uh, passed on before them and laid the staff upon the the face of the child, but there there was neither voice nor hearing uh, before he went in, uh, but before uh, he went again to meet him and uh, told him, saying, the child is not awakened. Another word, what happened was uh, Elisha gave, gave him his staff and said, you're younger and quicker, you run ahead and see if you can revive the boy. And he gave him his staff. What is the, the staff representative of? The power of God. And he, and he laid the staff on, on the boy. But what happened? Nothing happened. What, exactly. It was the lack of faith in his life was hindering the power of God from doing what needed to be done. So the, the progression in Gehazi's life, we don't, we don't know a lot about him, but we can assume that when Elisha, quote-unquote, hires him to be the man of God in training, that he was a young man that probably walked with God or at least had the appearance of walking with God. But through time, what happened? You see a progression of, of lack, the lack of compassion, the lack of power. <clears throat> we see this transformation trying, slipping downward, if you would. One of the, 
the things that we need to be really, really careful of is never say, never, never, ever, ever say, that could never happen to me. Okay? The minute you think that that will never happen to you, guess what? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. I know you know this verse, but it's a great place to remind you of it. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. The minute that we think that we are above sin is the very moment in which you're the most vulnerable. The lies of Gehazi. We're going to look at three lies that he told. The first one we're going to see is the lie that he told himself. The lie that he told himself. Gehazi, I measured Elijah's conduct the way that the world measures it, not the way God measures it. What happened when the woman came to Jesus and she broke the alabaster box and anointed Jesus' feet with it? What was the worldly response from his disciples? What a waste. What a waste. See, and what, what was Gehazi doing? Gehazi was basically saying the same thing. He said, he said wait a minute. That guy's rich. And we're poor. Okay, now now let, let's stop and back up here. Well, <clears throat> no, let, let, let me continue with this thought. Elijah was the prophet for which half of the nation? The northern half. How were the prophets in the northern tribes treated? No, anything but royalty. They were treated like like dirt more than likely more than likely uh, elisha was living in a shack and gehazi his assistant probably shared the room with gehazi uh, it, it the, the 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 conditions that the prophets and the northern 10 tribes lived in was horrible why is that Ungodly kings, the kings hated them because the prophets told the truth and they didn't want to hear the truth. So Elijah uh, <clears throat> lived in horrible conditions. But in Mark, going back to the story with Jesus, in Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 6, it says, And being in Bethany in the house of uh, Simon the leper, as he sat at me, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of uh, spikenard, very precious. And she break the box and poured it on his head. And there were uh, some that had indignation within themselves, saying, Why was, was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. That was over a year's wages. And have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. So, so what happened? Indignation. Poor. Now, now let me ask you a question. Those, those guys 
that, that were upset at this woman for doing this, were they going to give that money to the poor? No. no way in the world. What was Gehazi wanting to do with that money? He was wanting to retire is what he was wanting to do. He was sick and tired of working for the man of God and living on a shoestring. But Gehazi, and, and see, this is where sin, this is where sin creeps into our lives. Gehazi convinced himself that he would be happier and better off if he had that money. And when we lie to ourselves, guess what? We believe it. And Gehazi lied to himself. Now, we all know that money is not what makes us happy. A covetous man will become a selfish man. Selfish people never understand unselfish people. Think about that. The selfish think of ways to get. The unselfish think of ways to give. Gehazi obviously is a selfish individual. But there's something here that he does that I want to really point out because it's it, it really it, it, until I studied it out I didn't I didn't I, I didn't I didn't see it in the past. Look at verse 16. <clears throat> Elisha makes a statement here. He said and but he said as the Lord liveth as the Lord liveth is a phrase and to the best of my understanding, it is an oath that it would be similar to someone standing in a court of law, putting their hand on the Bible, raising their right hand, and, and swearing to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It would be similar to, to that. So what was Elisha saying in, in verse 16? He's saying, as the Lord liveth, there is absolutely no way that I'm going to take this money. You, you see the oath that, that Elijah takes here? You know, I mean, he doesn't do that, but that's kind of the closest thing we have in our, or, or, or and I hope you never do this, use the phrase, I swear to God. I hope you never use that. Look at verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman the Syrian in not receiving at his hand that which was brought but as the Lord liveth. He makes the same vow to go get the money that Elijah made to not take the money. That's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place to be. Not only does he lie to himself, but he lies to Naaman. Look at verse 21. <clears throat> so Gehazi followed after Naaman, and when 
Naaman saw him running after him, he, he lighted down uh, from the chariot and uh, to meet him and, and said, it is, is it well? And he said, it is well. My master has sent me, uh, saying, now did, did Elijah send him? No. <clears throat> saying, behold, even now there uh, be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Uh, give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Naaman <clears throat> said, behold, uh, 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 be content, take two talents. Uh, and he urged him, and he bound uh, talents of silver uh, in two bags uh, with two changes of garments and laid them upon uh, two of his servants and they uh, bare them before him. And <clears throat> when he came to the tower, he took them uh, from their, their hands and bestowed them uh, in, the, in the house and yeah, bestowed them in the house and he let the men go and they departed. <clears throat> Naaman, Naaman's caravan hadn't gotten too far. And Gehazi takes off after him. And <clears throat> I, I want you to see here, what does Naaman do? Okay, he, not only does he do the right thing, but he, he gives him more. You know, he, he gets down off of his chariot and, and, and basically what he says to, to Gehazi is he says, Shalom with a, with a question, with a question mark in his voice. And, and Shalom is, you know, when he, when you say it in a questioning way, it is, is everything okay? And Gehazi answers back with a Shalom. Everything's fine. Was everything fine? No. See, Gehazi had a heart problem. And he lies to Naaman and he tells him this story. And, and, and Gehazi, <clears throat> or excuse me, Naaman, uh, again, not only, not only does he give him uh, twice what he asked for, but he gives him two servants to carry the money and the clothes. So Gehazi doesn't have to do anything. Naaman Naaman lived up to what God said he was. Amen. A great, honorable man. But Gehazi I think the thing that troubles me the most about this particular story is the lie that Gehazi tells. He wraps it up in the work of God. How sad. Gehazi tells a story and, and he says, and you know, these servants, they need this money and blah, 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 blah. And, and everything that we do as individuals and everything that we do corporately as a church needs to bring honor to Christ. Amen. Many years ago, I, when I worked at Ambassador Baptist College, we were 
we were getting ready to embark on a on a on a large project. Uh, we were developing uh, some land to put dormitories on, and we had to bring in a water sewer and 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 storm drainage and and all. That. It was a huge project. Well, I had I had asked a, a man. Uh, I had called a company to get a quote uh, on supplying all the um, uh, water catch basins for the. Brian knows what all this is um, <clears throat> for all the for all the storm water, uh, and they're they're big concrete boxes, and they and they uh, and they're really expensive. <laughs> I, I'm sure you get to play with them. Everything is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I called this company that was not not too far away, and I I said, hey, can you come and 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 look at our plans and and give us a quote? And <clears throat> so he he came and and we were sitting in my office and he's taking measurements and everything and 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 I said, okay, you got everything you need and and he and he kind of looked at me a little funny and he says, well, I'm waiting for one more thing. And I said, really, what would that be? I, I think I've given you everything you need. And he's like, well, he said, this is a church kind of school, isn't it? And I said, well, it, it's yeah, it's a Christian college, yeah. And he says, well, aren't you going to ask for a discount? I said, why would I do that? He said, because every church and every quote-unquote Christian organization that gets quotes from me the very first thing out of their mouth is, are you going to give us a discount? How very sad. How very sad. And I apologized to him, and I said, I said, sir, on their behalf, may I, let, I, I, I feel like I need to apologize to you because what they did was wrong. And he said, he said, well, because of that, he says, I'll give you a discount. <laughs> But I was I, I was just embarrassed. But that's unfortunately what many many churches feel that they shouldn't have to pay full price for anything. Paul addresses this in First Thessalonians chapter two verses one to six. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance uh, in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed to, uh, allowed of God, to be put in the trust of the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but of God, which uh, trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. <clears throat> in other words, it wasn't about money either. God is witness nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. What was Paul saying? 
and everything you do, do it as if it were unto God. Don't be deceitful. Be above board. If anything, you know what? The last time I checked, I don't know, but the last time I checked, God owned the cattle on a thousand hills. And the hills too, yes. Naaman turned out to be the man of character where the quote-unquote man of God was the crook. Gehazi gets close back to Elijah's house and he and he basically he hides the money and and he and he turns the servants loose and he and his evil plan is working. Can you imagine what's going through his mind? Ha! I got away with it. Man, not only did I get a talent, I got two talents of silver. And I got two changes of clothes. You know, back then that that that, that was that the clothes in themselves were worth a lot of money. And, he, and, he, and it was so much that two servants had to help him carry it all. And he hides the money in a, in a tower, and then, he, and then he, he, thinks, he thinks that he's getting away with it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But he does something really, 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 really stupid. He lies to the man of God. Not only does he lie to himself, he lies to to Naaman, but he lies to Elijah. Look at verse 25. And he went in and stood before the master, and Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? Now, if you're going to, you know, a prophet back then and a pastor today are two different things, okay? God does not give me revelation like he did Elisha. But God still has a way of letting pastors know things. Just just, just saying, okay? It, it's, it's kind of scary sometimes because people will come up to me and say something and, and I just I just know. You know, and they're like, yeah, I know. How did you know? Wow, that's, yeah, that's scary. Okay, but anyway, you, you don't want to lie to the prophet of God, just saying, okay? But anyway, and, and if anybody should have known that, it would have been Gehazi. He says, uh, whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, uh, uh, thy servant uh, went out, went, went, uh, went no, no weather. Or basically, oh, I just went out for a walk. What's what's wrong with that? And he said unto him, "Went not thou, uh, went not mine mine heart with thee, when the man uh, turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Ooh, is it a time to receive money and to receive garments?" and olive yards, and vineyards, and sheep, and oxen, and messengers, and, uh, and men servants, and maid servants. Now, th- the last part of this, I can't help but imagine Gehazi going through his mind thinking, okay, now I can, I can buy a, a vineyard, I can, I can do this, I can do, I'm going to have servants, and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and what, what is Elijah doing? 
he, he's reading his, you know, God has given the ability to, to know all this stuff and gave it to Elijah. And I'm here to tell you, do you know what guilt does to a person? It literally will eat you from the inside out. Verse 27, the leprosy, therefore, another connecting word, the leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence, a leper as white as snow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that'll teach you to lie. Gehazi forgot who he worked for. He worked for the man of God. He obviously forgot the warning that Job gave us in Job chapter 34, verse 21. For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. God knew what it Gehazi had done and revealed it to Elisha. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. But if, but if we will not do so, behold, ye, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sins will find you out. Amen. I can't tell you how many times I have cursed that verse. Just saying. You would think, after making stupid choices like I have done in my life, I would finally get it that God will reveal sin. He always does. We see a similar story in the book of Joshua, chapter 7. A guy named Achan. What happened? Anybody? Okay. He, Achan took what was not his, and he lied about it. And what was the result of one man's sin? Okay. The, the entire nation, the blessings of God were removed from the entire nation because of one man's sin. They lost, and, and, and many people died. Because of one man's sin. Now, let let me ask you kind of a a stupid, obvious question. Because we live in the 21st century, has God changed how he deals with sin? Our sin affects others. And it always will. And God will not tolerate it. What about Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, chapter 5? Okay, they lied. Not only did they lie, but they, they bragged about it. See, God judged Gehazi with leprosy and promised that at least one of his descendants in each generation would have leprosy. Can you imagine? Now, 
we have no record that Elisha said, okay, give me the money. Not only do you have leprosy, but you're broke too. We don't, have, we don't have that. So what is the understood, at least to me, I understand it, that he got to have the money. How many rich people get cancer, are willing to forfeit everything that they own only to live? You know, when it comes down to it, money doesn't really mean a whole lot of anything, does it? But not only is Gehazi a leper, but his descendants. Can you imagine living with that kind of guilt? It's interesting to me that God chose leprosy to give to Gehazi. Out of all the diseases that he could have gotten, he chose leprosy. What is characteristic of leprosy? Okay, it's, it's highly communicable, okay, but it's visible where? On the outside. But what does it do on the inside? Does a person who have who has leprosy, do they die from the sores that you see? No. No. It attacks the inside. You basically rot. You rot from the inside out, basically with leprosy. It's also it is. But guilt does the same thing. Guilt rots you from the inside out. And Gehazi lost everything. He lost his job, his family, his friends. Uh, he he was rich, but he had nothing. I believe that this story could possibly be why we read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, uh, that this very issue is one of the qualifiers for a pastor. In 1 Timothy, we've talked about this not too long ago, but in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, it says a bishop... Uh, uh, then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, uh, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre. How does God describe money here? Dirty, contaminated, but patient, not a brawler, not covetousness, uh, not covetous. But it is also an indicator of the last times, and, and, and I'm here to tell you we live in the last times. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 5, it says, uh, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, uh, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, 
boasters, proud, blasphemers, uh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, um, despisers of those that are good, traitor, heady minded, uh, uh, heady, high minded, uh, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, uh, having a form of godliness, uh, denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now, how many of those characteristics in those five verses did, did Gehazi uh, uh, exhibit? Several. But the covetousness. Boy, I don't know that I've ever seen it worse than it is today. What a shame. Gehazi first off lied to himself. He lied to Naaman, but then he lied to Elijah. In, in essence, what was he doing? He was really trying to lie to God, was he not? And that's never a good idea. How did Gehazi go from being a man of God in training to being a man of a man of lies? It was a process. It was a process. Gehazi had a heart problem, and his heart problem was that his heart was turned away from God. And there is not one person in this room that is immune to the problems that Gehazi faced. We are all prone to wander from God. Every one of us. As we close tonight, let me encourage you. Keep your account with God short. We oftentimes are successful in lying to ourselves, but we can never lie to God. We can never get away with it because He will reveal it and we will stand accountable for it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank You for this day. Thank You for Your